team, that was uh, perfect for today. And you'll see why shortly. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. Uh, I want to repeat that uh, you are encouraged to look around, find your way, uh, see what these different ministries teams are about, uh, ask questions of those standing by them. They know the answers. And uh, see if there might be a ministries team that you could be interested in. They can all use uh, help. So uh, take your time and look around. Okay, I have small talked so I can get my stuff set here. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for uh, this morning. Such a great time to, to sing these, these songs of praise and songs that remind us of who you are, of your faithfulness. Father, uh, and this last song, such a great uh, desire to be more like you, to be less like ourselves and, and what we used to be. Father, I pray that uh, something about uh, our time in your word would uh, cause us to have a spurt of growth again, Lord. Maybe some of us have gone quite a while without seeing any growth in our lives, without seeing us more and more becoming like you. And uh, Father, as we're going to uh, talk today, uh, the ones who are really affected by that lack of growth are our families. And so Father, would you minister to us, uh, help us to be honest with ourselves and, and with you. Lord, we uh, commit this time to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Transformed lives, fully devoted followers of Christ. Uh, that is the vision statement of our church. So uh, if you are visiting us or new, uh, haven't been here throughout the first part of our series, uh, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the vision that we've kind of set before us. I believe God has set before us. Uh, we desire to be a church and individuals who are being changed right along and moving toward being more devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to grow. We want God to change us and uh, to make us more like Jesus because that's what happens when you're a devoted follower of Christ. You start becoming like Him. And that's what he wants. He desires that we become more and more like Jesus. But how do we know if it's happening? How do we know if it's not happening? And that's what we've been talking about. It's a, it's a fine desire. It's a fine mission. But we need something to measure and to help us um, evaluate how we're doing. Are we growing? Are we becoming more and more uh, devoted followers of Christ? Are we moving that direction? Uh, we got to know how to uh, know that. And what we're doing this uh, series is we're looking at relationships because I think that a great place to look to answer that question, how am I doing? And am I moving toward being a 
more devoted follower of Christ and more like him, is to look at our relationships. See what's happening in our relationships, and that will give us a pretty good idea of how we're doing in growing and becoming more like Jesus. And so we have talked about our relationship with God himself and how we can look at that to determine how we're doing in growing more like Jesus and becoming more and more devoted to him. Uh, We've looked at our relationship with the Word of God and uh, talked about how that can be a measurement for us. Uh, What role is the Word of God playing? Are we growing in that? That might help us to get an idea of how we're doing. Uh, Last week we talked about our relationships with God's people. Spent a lot of time uh, reminding ourselves of the one another teachings. And uh, we can look at our relationships just with each other and ask the question, how are we doing? Do we see ourselves becoming more and more like Jesus by just looking at our relationships? Or are we not becoming more like Jesus in our relationships with one another? Today, we're going to look at another relationship, and it's our relationship with family. So we're going to talk about family. And if talking about family is uncomfortable for you, you're in the right place this morning because you may become uncomfortable. Uh, And yet, I just want you to know ahead of time that you can't fake Christianity in the home, in the family. You, You can leave your home, you can go out of your family be with other people doing other things, and you can fake your Christianity. But you can't fake your Christianity at home. So uh, we're going to talk about our relationship in the family, with our family, as a great measuring stick for how we're doing in growing to be more devoted followers of Christ and more like him. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to talk briefly about what the Scripture teaches to husbands. So men, you'll have to listen then. Then we'll talk about the wives. Ladies, it's your turn at that point. Then we'll talk about children. So kids, teenagers, at that point, you're going to need to listen. Then we'll see what the Bible teaches to parents. So adults, then we have to listen again. And then we'll conclude by talking about what the Bible teaches to siblings, to you and your brothers, you and your sisters in the family. And we're going to read those teachings, and I'm just going to make a short couple comments about each one, and then I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm going to ask the same question every time. And I'm not going to give you the answer to it. You're going to have to answer that question because it's about you. It's about me. So, here we go. Here's the question. How would a growing, devoted follower of Christ... Respond to these teachings. 
That's the question we're going to ask. We're going to see the teaching. I'm going to comment on it, and then I'm going to ask you that question. How would a growing, devoted follower of Christ respond to these teachings? And then you will need to answer that and apply it to yourself. So, let's start by talking for a few minutes about the husband. So, we're talking about marriage here, talking about the man in the marriage. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 and see one of the teachings to husbands. Ephesians chapter 5. If if you and your husband are sharing a Bible, you might want to hand it over to him for this one so he he can see it clearly. Now, men, the first thing I want you to know that I'm going to do, I'm going to skip verse 22 and verse 24. You don't need to hear those because they're not for you, all right? So I'm going to read verse 23 and then skip to 25. Here's the teaching for husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. What's that saying to us, fellow husbands, is God has determined that you and I are the leader in a marriage relationship. We didn't choose it. We didn't campaign for it. It wasn't based on what kind of men we are. It was determined way before we ever got married. We have been designated by God as the leader in marriage relationship. What kind of leader? Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. So, a loving leader. Got that? Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, it's a Christ-like love. It's a Christ-like, loving leadership. You see how this can measure how we're doing and growing to be more and more like Jesus? We are to be the leaders in the marriage, and we do that with a Christ-like love for our wives. Verse 26. To make her holy. This is how Christ loves us to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church." And then he concludes in verse 33, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. So we are, according to that teaching, as husbands, to be leading our wives. And the kind of leader is a Christ-like leader, a man who loves our wife like Christ loves us. Oh. And you notice there it talks about presenting her holy. Uh, 
I think that's the idea that just like Christ is concerned about our spiritual welfare <clears throat> and helping us become more and more holy, more and more like Him, that we as husbands in our leadership should be concerned about our wives' growth toward holiness and Christ-likeness. And we should be doing everything we can to promote her growth in Christ. We should be her, her biggest cheerleader in helping her grow and seeing her grow in her Christian life. We shouldn't discourage that. We are to promote it in our wife's life. That's part of leading her in love, like Christ would. And then he talks about <clears throat> caring for our wives. And really the word there is the idea of, of protection. It's the idea of <laughs> a chicken bringing the chicks under the wings to protect, to help them feel secure. And what Paul is saying to us husbands is we are to protect our wives. We're to protect them emotionally, protect them physically, protect them spiritually. We're to be their protector. They should feel safe under our leadership. They should feel protected. So we love them like Christ loves them. We promote their holiness, their growth in Christ, and we protect them. And then one more teaching for us as husbands. Book of Colossians, just two over. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives. We already saw that. And do not be harsh with them. That's what it says, right? Do not be harsh. The kind of husband that God teaches us to be is not a harsh husband. The kind of leadership we are to have in the marriage is not a harsh one. The love of Christ, the Christ-like love that we are to have for our wives is not harsh. It's everything but harsh. We need to make it possible for our wives to feel safe feel protected, not to feel unsafe or unprotected in the marriage. So, I ask the question, men, you've heard some of the teaching. Here's the question. How would a growing, devoted follower of Christ, who is a husband, respond to these teachings? You've heard the teachings. You've heard what God's Word says to husbands. How would a husband who is growing in his devotion to Christ and becoming more and more like Christ respond to these teachings? Great measurement of how we husbands are doing in our spiritual growth and becoming more like Jesus. Okay, ladies, <clears throat> it's your turn. <clears throat> turn with me to uh, Ephesians 5 again. And now we're going to see what the teaching is for you. 
And uh, we're going to look at the verses I skipped. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And at that point, wives either stop listening or they ask the question, what does submit mean? What does submit to my husband mean? Well, Paul answers it when he sums up this whole passage. In the last verse, verse 33, he says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. That's the summary to the husband. Here's the summary to the wife. And the wife must respect her husband. What does it mean to submit? It means to respect. It means to respect the role that God has put your husband in. To respect that, to be willing to follow his leadership, to respect him because of his position. Turn with me to Proverbs. Something taught to wives there. Proverbs 31, the Old Testament. Last chapter. Of Proverbs. It's a lot spoken of here uh, concerning the wife, but I just want to read a few of the verses. Proverbs 31, and uh, <clears throat> let's start in verse 10. It says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. There's another way to put that, verse 12. Uh, My Bible here says, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. You could read that, she makes him a better man. Ladies, God's desire for you, according to his teachings in Scripture, is that you make your husband a better man. Is that happening? Um, I want want to read you something. Uh, You might be familiar with E.V. Hill. He's a pastor. And uh, when his wife died, his wife's name was Jane, he gave the message at her funeral, which I don't think I will do, dear. (laughs) Um, Maybe I'll be gone, so somebody else will have to do it. But uh, he gave the message at his wife's funeral. And what he did was he he told some some stories about her, what she was like. I'm just going to read one of them for you. He said... uh, He was a struggling young preacher. He had trouble earning a living. And that led him to invest the family's scarce resources over Jane's objections in the purchase of a service station, a gas station. What he was making as a pastor wasn't 
meeting the needs. <clears throat> so although his wife didn't think it was a good idea, he purchased a service station. She felt her husband lacked the time and expertise to oversee his investment, which proved to be accurate. Eventually, the station went broke, and E.V. lost his shirt in the deal. It was a critical time in the life of this young man, this young pastor. He had failed at something important, and his wife would have been justified in saying, I told you so. Shortly after the fiasco with the service station, E.V. came home one night and found the house dark. When he opened the door, he saw that Jane had prepared a candlelight dinner for the two of them. He said, well, what's going on? Well, she said, Jane, we're going to eat by candlelight tonight. Evie thought that was a great idea and went into the bathroom to wash his hands. He tried unsuccessfully to turn on the light. Then he felt his way into the bedroom, flipped another switch, darkness. The young pastor went back to the dining room and asked Jane why the electricity was off, and she began to cry. You work so hard, and we're trying, said Jane, but it's pretty rough. We didn't have enough money to pay the light bill the last two months. I didn't want you to know about it, so I thought we could just eat by candlelight tonight. Evie said, she could have broken my spirit. She could have ruined me. She could have demoralized me, but instead she said, Somehow or another, we'll get these lights on. But for now, let's eat our supper by candlelight and have a nice evening together. And he closed that story by saying, That night, my wife made me a better man. The Scripture says to wives, She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life makes him a better man. So, question. Ladies, how would a growing, devoted follower of Christ respond to the teaching in Ephesians 5 and Proverbs 31? You need to answer that. How would a growing, devoted follower of Christ who's becoming more and more like Jesus respond to that teaching? That's for you to answer, ladies. Let's talk to the children. So we go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. So teenagers, listen up. Younger, listen up. Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The teaching to you as children, you as teenagers, is to obey your parents, to honor your parents. And the promise is, if you do that, life will be better. It'll be better. 
if you follow those teachings, to obey and honor your parents. In Colossians, we have the same teaching, and uh, uh, the reason given for obeying your parents and honoring them in Colossians is it pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord if you obey and honor your parents. I'd like to take you children to Proverbs as well. Proverbs 23. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 23. And there's something that children need to know here. Proverbs 23, verse 24. not an instruction to you, but this is something you need to know, okay? It says, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. Now contrast that to Proverbs 10. First verse, 10.1. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. And there are some more Proverbs like that, basically what those Proverbs are saying. And, And you children and teens need to know this. You have the ability to bring joy into your parents' life. But you also have the ability to bring grief into your parents' life. Your parents aren't just some robot without feelings, okay? You have the ability to bring joy into their life. You also have the ability to bring grief. Isn't that amazing? You can have that kind of impact, one way or the other, on your parents. A four-year-old girl ran to greet her father when he came home from work. She had tears in her eyes, and she was angry. And so, of course, the first thing the father said was, Honey, what's wrong? And this is how she answered. She said, Daddy, Daddy, Mommy hates me. She's not nice. And the dad said, Darling, your mother doesn't hate you. What happened? And the girl answered, I wanted to make toast all by myself. So I put the bread in the toaster. But then Mama wouldn't let me flush it. You'll get it eventually. Um, now, that, that's a very little thing. I mean, not to the four-year-old girl. She wanted to push the handle down. She wanted to flush it. You know? But mom didn't let her. And her conclusion immediately was that mom hated her and that her mom was not nice. 
And that might be a simple little story with what we would think is an insignificant thing. But no matter what age you are, kids, and even if you're a teenager, you have done things like that. You have jumped on things emotionally. And you've decided that because of something your mom or dad did or didn't do or said or didn't say, that they hate you. And you've decided they're not nice, they're just mean. And someday, when you're older and wiser, you'll look back at that very same situation that you called unloving, unkind, and mean as what it really was, something with good intention, something done out of goodwill, something done out of love for you and care for you. But you see, when you react to your parents like that little girl did, you have the ability to bring grief to your parents' lives because you can bring joy or grief. Here's the question. How would a growing, devoted follower of Christ respond to these teachings? Kids, teenagers? How you are doing in your growth toward being more devoted to Christ, more like Him, can be revealed in your relationship with your parents. And so when you see teachings like this, ask yourself the question, how would someone who is growing in their devotion to Christ and becoming more like Him respond to these teachings to you as a child or a teenager? Let's talk to the parents. Back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. As you can see, this was, is a whole section on family. And in chapter 6, verse 4, there's a teaching for the parents. Now, your Bible might say fathers, but if you check out the Greek word that's used here, translated fathers, it can also refer to parents. Pateris, I think, is the the Greek word. So let's say parents. He says in verse 4, parents, do not exasperate or provoke your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So important that parents realize their responsibility to, in any way they can, bring up their children in the instruction and discipline of the Lord versus what? Bring down their children, provoke their children, exasperate their children unnecessarily to the point of their children losing heart, becoming discouraged, giving up. In Colossians chapter 3, in that section on family, verse 21 Parents, do not embitter your children. 
There are bitter children out there. There are bitter uh, teenagers. And a lot of them have become bitter because their parents have unnecessarily provoked them. Uh, Maybe the way they talk to them. Um, Maybe the way they favor another child in the family. Uh, Maybe because they're always criticizing and putting down, never complimenting. Maybe because they don't spend time with them and they want their parents to spend time. Or maybe their parents are too busy to show interest and it begins to exasperate the children. You could go on and on. There are ways that, that parents can provoke their children to the point where they give up. They're discouraged. They're not being built up they're being torn down by the parents. And so parents, you got to really think about that. Am I building up my children? Am I helping them grow? Or am I treating them in a way that's going to discourage and uh, cause them to lose heart, give up? I'd like uh, parents here, moms and dads who have children at home, teenagers or younger, I'd like you to close your eyes. (laughs) Okay? Close your eyes. Don't go to sleep on me. Close your eyes, parents. Now, you can follow that instruction, right? So, all parents, close your eyes. I want you to, with your eyes closed, envision something. I want you to picture something. I want you to picture your children that are home with you as adults, okay? So just try to get a picture in your mind of what your children might look like when they get into the adult world. Now I want you to picture something else. Picture those children as adults, being the kind of parent that you are. Just think about that. The kind of parent you are. Picture your children as adults being the same kind of parent you are. Picture your sons, all grown up. But gentlemen, picture them being the kind of husband you are. Picture your sons being the kind of husband you are. And ladies, picture your daughters being the kind of wife you are. Picture that child all grown up having some of the same habits you have. Same habits you have. Picture your children all grown up and handling problems just the way you do. Picture your children as adults having the same priorities you have. And finally, picture those adult children, your children, having the exact same commitment that you have to Jesus. 
when you picture those things, are you okay with the picture you're seeing? Are you okay with them becoming just like you? So here's the question. How would a growing, devoted follower of Christ respond to these teachings to parents? How would a person who's becoming more and more like Jesus respond to these teachings? You need to answer that. Finally, kids, teenagers, in the home you have to relate with your brothers and your sisters, and that's not always easy, right? Um, But that's a family relationship between siblings, unless you're an only child. Otherwise, you, you have relationships with brothers, sisters, okay? And uh, let's look at some teachings concerning that. Back to Ephesians, <coughs> chapter 4. <coughs> These are some teachings about relationships in general, but obviously your relationship with your brothers and sisters, I mean, they're people. And so, here's some relationship principles that are taught in Scripture. Verse 31, Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, it's fighting, slander, along with every form of malice. That's wanting to hurt somebody. Want to see them hurt. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. So there again, you have Christ's likeness, right? And how you relate to people, and for sure, how you relate to your brothers and sisters in the home. And uh, it's about being like Jesus. And I was a kid once, and I've observed a lot of families, and I know there's a lot of fighting, conflict, bitterness, anger, even rage that goes on between siblings. And the teaching in Ephesians 4, as it would be in Colossians 3, you can look at that, is that we are to relate to people, and for sure our siblings, as Christ would with kindness and forgiveness. Patience. Those things. I thought this was interesting. I just heard it this morning. And this probably, I'm going to say it for you kids and teenagers as far as your relationship as siblings, but this could fit with any relationship in the family, husband-wife relationship, parent-child relationship. But this person said, when there are arguments in the family and everyone's goal is to win, the one who does win is often the one who acted the least 
like Christ. That's something to think about. This is the man who said this opinion, but I think it's worth listening to. When there are arguments in the family between husband and wife, parents, children, 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 and everyone's goal is to win, and that's often the goal, right? When there are arguments in the family, often the goal in an argument is to win. And what he says is that the one who does end up winning the argument is often the one who acted the least like Christ in the argument. Winning is more important to many of us than being like Jesus. So, let me close with this. If somebody were to talk to the family members in your home, the other family members, and those family members were to tell us how you are doing in moving toward being a more devoted follower of Christ, becoming more like Jesus, what would we come to know about you? You know, wives, if we were to interview your husbands, what would we learn about you if we asked them about your growth in becoming a more devoted follower of Christ and more like Jesus? Men, if we interviewed your wife and asked that question, how's your husband doing in his growth toward being a more devoted follower of Christ and becoming more like Christ? Or if we asked that of the parents or asked it of the children, What would we learn about you since we're not in the home and seeing how the relationships are going? What would we come to know about you? Well, the things we would come to know, God already knows, even though we don't know. And his desire is that in the family, even in the family, not just outside the home, but in the family, that you are growing toward being a more devoted follower to Christ and more like Christ. And it will show in your family, in your marriage. It's a great measurement to see how you're doing in this vision of growing to be more devoted as a follower of Christ and more like Him. It may be the best measurement relationships in the family. So, spend some more time in these teachings, uh, the scriptures that are on your sheet. Uh, Ask that question of yourself where it applies to you uh, in your role in the family. Uh, Do some praying. Do some listening to God. He might have some things He wants to point out to you. Um, And... uh, And maybe you will find yourself deciding to begin to take more seriously your growth 
in becoming a more devoted follower of Christ and becoming more like Him. Not only for your sake, not only for the sake of the church, because if you grow more devoted to Christ and more like Him, it affects all of us, but for your family's sake. Keep growing toward being a more devoted follower of Christ and more like Him. Your family will thank you. Let's pray. Our Father, we give you thanks for your word. Thank you for creating the family, creating marriage, uh, giving the gift of children, uh, giving us responsibilities to raise those children. Father, the family is so important to you uh, because you created it. And uh, you want your family to display you to show what it's like to, to be Christ-like in a family setting. And Father, some of us aren't doing it very well. Maybe we used to, but we started taking it less seriously. Father, I pray that you would uh, move in many lives today as we think about, pray about, and listen to you about how we're doing. In Christ's name, amen.